front. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It's it's so exciting. My name is Patrick. As you all know, I am here with Leah Murphy, and Leah is the coordinator of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mouthful. Coordinator. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Leah tweets. Leah tweets yes. for a living. Yes. Yeah. And Instagrams for a living. It's so true. I'm coordinator of digital evangelization and outreach. Yes. And outreach. Yeah. I mean that's a okay. little tacked on bit, but we could sum it up: coordinator of digital evangelization. Coordinator Digital Vengeance. All right, cool. So essentially, and that's for Life Teen. And so yes. for those of you who don't know, Life Teen is an organization that is uh, focused on leading teens closer to Christ, the biggest Catholic youth ministry organization in America, I think. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's how, that's the extent of my research. <laughs> my my friend told me to stop assuming that people know what Life Teen is. Oh, I think that's healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I assumed everyone knew until I started working there. And then I was like, wow, this is still unknown by many. So yeah, I mean, it, Life Teen is only in roughly, was it like 20% of parishes across the country? Um. Oh, gosh, I'm not even certain the parish number were just over like 2000. So or not the parish percentage is what I'm unsure of. We're over 2000 parishes, but okay. um, I'm not sure how that works works out percentage wise yeah and and it's it's great because the crunch has had a long and healthy relationship with life team the crunch the crunch has had i think half of your staff on our show at this point that's wild yeah we're um, big fans yeah who it's was the it's first, been i'm sorry what were you saying i was gonna ask who was the first life team staff member you had on i think i think our first life team staff member was mark oh wow nice yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, start at the top, the tip top. (laughs) Because we we had an episode come out called uh, Cracking Open a Life Teen with the Boys. Mm. And we were mad because Life Teen was getting flack on Twitter. And we were like, this sucks because Life Teen, like Life Teen indirectly helped Ethan and I, like indirectly caused our conversion, right? So like I, I wasn't. I wasn't a member of a Life Teen parish growing up, but it used to be. Sure. And so the structure that Life Teen provided for my parish when it was starting out youth ministry uh-huh. carried over into my youth ministry after we stopped using Life Teen. Cool. And so that model of youth ministry helped. And then he went to Life Teen conferences and all that stuff growing up. Yeah. And so we were like, it obviously has fruit. Everyone needs to shut up. Mm-hmm. And so we had this long, we had this long, like, it was, it was one of our most, I think it still is one of our top 10 most listened to shows. But um, the a week after that episode aired, uh, Mark Hart DM'd us on Twitter, uh-huh. and he of course like dropped like some insane wisdom on us. Yeah. He was like, "I'm I'm glad I, I like what you guys are doing for the church, but remember, the church doesn't need celebrities; she needs saints. Cool. Keep up the good work." And wow. I was like, "Man, you're such a dad, and I love yes. it." Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. And that that episode we recorded with him. Uh, ended up being like the reason why Ethan is a focus missionary. Wow. I yeah. did not know that. That's wild. I think he's talked about that on the show, so I think that's okay to broadcast. Oh, he's yeah. not here, so what's he gonna do? Yeah. He comes he comes back he comes back tomorrow. Okay. Um so that's fun. Okay. Anyway, so yes, and the reason why you are on the show is because we we've met before this. We've we've yeah. hung out a couple of times, yeah. but we you were at CYMC, I was. which is the Catholic Youth Ministry Conference that Life Teen puts on in its backyard. It is, yes. Um, it's, it's like right there. <laughs> it's delightful in Toasty, Arizona. Oh man, I I I didn't get sunburned. You didn't? 
I didn't. Well, that's I didn't get sunburned the whole time because if you didn't, you would die. That's a good point. <laughs> well, I was I was scooting around though. I, I hopped oh, that's on. Right. That's right. <laughs> I Arizona and other places too. I think they have these like these like these uh lift scooters. So you just like <laughs> scan it with your phone and you just drive them. And it's like how how is this legal? Like how it is this possibly? Be. It should not be. I told my it father I would never ride one because. Because he's concerned, so. But they're so fun. I get it. I get. <laughs> I get that. Honestly, but I have no concern for my safety, wow. and I did it. <laughs> we like. I, I went to I went to lunch with Father Anthony. Shout out Father Anthony and Love Jonathan it. Blevins and his uh, his youth oh. minister. And me and Jonathan were like, we got to go scooting, Amazing. scooting. And then Father Anthony was like, I'm not going to do it because I'm a priest and I'm wearing all black and it's Arizona. Oh, and I was like, that's fair. Probably but, a wise choice. But yeah, then we scooted down to downtown Scottsdale, the most <laughs> happening downtown in the country. What a spot. What a spot. What a spot. <laughs> and then we scooted back to the conference. It was great. Oh, yeah. So we met. We, we hung out at the conference yes. and you gave two presentations on teen culture. Mm-hmm. And although I was a teenager like yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very interesting because I have lived a lot of my time as a young person outside of, sorry, not, I guess I wouldn't say outside. I would say inside of a bubble. Sure, sure. Uh, having gone to Franciscan. Mm, mm-hmm. While there is culture, mm-hmm. while there is like kind of a bleed in, there is a, there is this attitude of we are not part of the culture. We right. are not part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think it's fostered by the school, but I think that was fostered by like my friend group. Mm -hmm. And so I was intrigued by everything you were saying. Mm. And that's why Leah's on the podcast. So welcome, Leah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm pumped. I'm I'm glad I could intrigue you. Yeah, it it was. I don't know how to start this. (laughs) Here's the here's the problem with podcasting by myself is Ethan is my crutch. Mm. Do you understand this? Ethan, Ethan is the, Ethan is the reason I get out of bed in the morning. Ethan is the reason why I wake up and I haven't been with him for so long. And usually at this point, Ethan would tell a stupid story. Oh, sure. About, so do you have, do you have a story? (laughs) A a stupid story. Oh dear. I, oh, I'm trying to think. I feel like I must have a stupid story. Well, I mean, I, I was, I have a story completely unrelated. I encountered a scorpion in my house recently which was horrifying but that's that oh right that's reason number two not to move to arizona (laughs) (laughs) that's reason number one scorpions are literally they're they're deeply that's my my number one question for the lord um i i mean i've taken it to prayer and haven't yet been satisfied with his (laughs) answer but why he created scorpions is beyond me um so they're the most terrifying thing on the planet. Absolutely, absolutely. I got stung by one in my bed one night, and wait, I, I thought you died immediately if you well, did that happen. No, no, you're just not the same. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a, a a terrible moment, the worst moment of my life. I I think I and like I I know this sounds dramatic. I don't think it's dramatic, and I really am trying to like overcome it. But I think I have like borderline like phobia of sport. Like I just like I get like terribly shaken up and um and I like cry when I see <laughs> when I see scorpions because I I think that's a healthy them. normal human reaction to seeing something with a freaking like swan neck stinger wow what yeah, on earth thank you it's they're they're the worst of the worst 
So my dad's high school mascot was the scorpions. No, okay, no. and here's that's the only encounter that I had with scorpions. Oh, growing I mean, up, I'm glad that that was that was what it was limited to. That there were no. That's real- the only thing, but and it's funny because it was like the it was like Satellite Beach is where um. That's near where Holy Name is, actually. Okay. We were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you've been over there. And yep. uh, it's, like, right on the beach. And so it doesn't make any sense for their for their mascot to be the scorpions. Because, like... Yeah, that's random. Scorpions are the desert. Anyway. Right. And so... But that was my only encounter. And honestly, growing up, I thought they were fake. Oh, my gosh. Really? I didn't think they were real. Oh, I had no really I had funny. no idea that scorpions actually existed. And then when... <laughs> in middle school, I had... It was one of... You know those moments where it's, like... You have like a knowledge gap, and all of your friends make fun of you because you should know this mm, thing, but you don't. Yeah, that was my thing. Oh, how sad! That was my knowledge gap. Like I thought that scorpions were fake. I wish they were fake. I wish they were just mythological. Creatures. What happens when they sting you? Like, what was that experience yeah, like? Um, this well, is what the entire interview is about now. <laughs> yeah, taking. I'm just direction. fascinated. <laughs> um. So it stung me like in. Like, I was asleep, so it woke me up. And, oh, yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> and at first, I was like, maybe I'm just, like, dreaming this feeling, and it's not I, like I didn't – like, something didn't just sting me. Because it just felt kind of like um, like a little, like, zap or pinch. More like I'm like a little pinch. And um, and then I, like, r- like, tried to, like, determine in my brain if I was dreaming the pain or if it was real. And then I was like, no, I think this is real. <laughs> So I went into my, I like turned on the light and like looked at, cause it was on my foot and I was like, is there something there? And there wasn't like a mark, but there was like a clear point where like it had, it was like sensitive, like it was hurting and like yeah. it had gone numb, like around that area. And so I was like, holy bananas, what just happened? And so I <laughs> turned like all the lights on in my room and I had seen a scorpion in my house, um, like a few weeks prior. And so then I was like, if there's a scorpion in my bed. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because the first time I saw one, I had to call a friend and have him talk me through um, killing it. And then before I could kill it, I actually FaceTimed my dad. To ha- this makes me sound like I'm such a wimp. I'm I'm a strong, no, independent woman. Leah, but nobody <laughs> blames you. It's like, it's like, it, it's the equivalent of having like a serial killer in your house, but, but it's just... <laughs> But worse, <laughs> because at least the serial killer will do it quickly. Exactly. <laughs> I also have this theory that, like, um, this is this is something I need to kind of let go of. But I have this theory that I can reason with a serial killer, but I can't reason with a scorpion. I can't, like, sit a scorpion down and be like, let's talk about why this would be a poor choice. And, like, that there's let's more to Let's talk about your life this. choices here. Because <laughs> the scorpion's just doing its thing. Exactly. It was sent here because of our many sins. <laughs> yeah so anyways um so I found the scorpion in my bed and um when I realized that I had been stung and I freaked out and I like got this this Tupperware and praise the lord there was like adrenaline running through my system so that I was able to like muster up the courage to trap the scorpion and then I like this is gross I like um <laughs> I I like killed it like piece by piece by um oh my gosh by, like, using the edge of the tupperware to like um oh leah oh up. no <laughs> <laughs> because i just um, you tortured the scorpion well, the scorpion tortured me first that's a good point you got your vengeance <laughs> but also like 
scorpions are like I, I've done a decent bit of research and they're really difficult <laughs> to kill um, if you don't have like scorpion killer or something that will keep them from moving because they can move or pretty fast and they can clap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, like ideally you have like a spray that stops them from moving and then you just like, like, like stomp on them. But, um, but yeah, so that, that was all I had. And I was like, how fast do scorpions move, Leah? Uh, too fast. Too fast. Oh no. They're terrible. They're terrible. They're killing machines. Yeah. They're that's insane the worst of the worst so then i it's, am so much more afraid of scorpions now i'm sorry I, yeah. I feel so bad for you because like i've had i've had instance i've actually actually no i have never had an instance where there's been a bug in my bed wow i mean but, yeah, i don't think i i had either until that moment and um yeah i it was like one in the morning when it happened and my my family lives in california and i decided that like that was who I should call. <laughs> so I called my family at like one in the morning and my, my sweet father who was very heroic was just like talking me through it. And was like, it's going to be okay. You can go back to sleep. I think they prayed a rosary with me or something. It was. That's so nice. Yeah. It was. Because you'd have major trust issues with your bed after that. Oh, I do. I still do. Um, like you've betrayed me. I thought you were a safe place. Right. The, the, the covers are where you would hide when there was a monster. Exactly. But now, now the, the monster are... is inside the covers. <laughs> exactly. So that that's oh, my man. funny story for you. <laughs> that the only thing remotely like that that's happened to me before is I've had like, they weren't like night terrors because they're different, but it was like a very vivid nightmare of like oh, looking. I was in, I was in a, in, in college I would like look up at my window or one time I looked up at my window like half asleep and I saw essentially I don't know how to describe the size but it was the size of the window a spider no and like in my in I was like oh no and I rolled out of my bed oh like my freaking God. spider-man ironically and I was like where is it and I of course uh, doing that woke me up and oh. my roommate was like what's going on I was like spider no it's not there anymore it's gone wow but that's even more scary. That it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an invisible spider. That that's horrifying. Um, so anyway. Anyway, here we are. Man, that was a good story. I'm gl- <laughs> I'm 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 very proud of you because like it's well, a very you. awkward moment for myself and for all of our listeners <laughs> when they hear me scramble like that. Oh wow! Well, I was I was glad to. But you were there share. to recover. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Oh man. So oh. the the talk that you gave. <laughs> Uh, I'm never gonna be able to un- to unsee the scorpions. Oh man, they're the worst. Wait, no, you actually no. I have one more question. Yeah. I have another question. What do they sting you with? They have like venom, right? Yeah. So they have they. It's like scorpion venom, and um, they sting you with like their little back stinger thing. And yeah, usually the, it, it's it's not like enough to do serious damage. Occasionally, like it. I mean, not occasionally. From what I've learned, um, you can go and like, uh, like it can be very dangerous. But um, the scorpion, whatever had sung me, uh, I mean, it was a scorpion, but um, it just was like a, a little sting. And I think honestly, I was more uh, traumatized that like it had the audacity to like climb into <laughs> bed with me and sting me um, than. I was with like the actual pain of it, but like like most people rude. like um it's most people when they're stung by a scorpion don't need like any kind of medical attention. Um, okay, it's just like a sting, and it'll be like kind of numb around the area for like I think it's just like two or three days. 
but um but it's rare that you need to like rush to the hospital um that puts me at ease a little yeah i i just i think that like heightens the the like emotional reaction like i was saying like the fact that like this creature decided it was okay to do that like even if it's not gonna hurt me that much like excuse me how dare you um it's it's just inappropriate so yeah i i guess i don't know like the you know you know like the sting spectrum right there's like there's like a little bit of a spectrum for bug bites it's like you got the mosquitoes i mean mosquito i don't know where mosquitoes and ants fall which one do you think is worse i honestly think that ant bites are worse because they hurt when that happened oh i don't really know i'm i i'm yeah, I I don't know. I, I put you. I put I'll like bees at like number three. Okay. Yeah. And then I would put scorpions at number ten. Yeah. Because yeah, in yeah, between yeah. bee and scorpion, and then like scorpion at like fifteen is like snake bites. Mm-hmm. I know they aren't bugs. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I know we've gone out, and then and then sixteen is bear bites. Right. I think that. Well, yeah, that's the next step. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously, the next highest is bear bites. Right. Right. So the talk you gave yes um i have a very professional segue from scorpion into <laughs> youth ministry um you know how sometimes the youth sting you like a scorpion Ooh. you know how sometimes you, when this young is, people put scorpions corny. in your bed as a prank <laughs> um <laughs> so i i recently i think it was actually because of cymc yeah. that i re-downloaded instagram on my phone oh yeah which we is, were talking about this which is funny because, like, I think the last, the the first time I ever deleted all my social media off my phone was because of a conference. Oh, wow. <laughs> as a teenager. But now here I am as an adult yeah. re-downloading Instagram. Because I, I told you a little bit about this. My, my youth group, we were just sitting and talking and it was like 10 of us. Uh-huh. And I was like, would you guys follow it if I made an Instagram for our youth group? Yeah. I didn't want to do it without asking them totally. and be like, hey, guys, I'm hip. I made, a, I made an Instagram. Right. And then they were like, yeah, we do it. That's and so awesome. I did. And then like I, I, I posted a couple of goofy things. Uh-huh. And I followed Joel. And Joel actually told me that he noticed. Uh-huh. And he was worried that it was another parody account. Oh, no. Because I called my I, – I didn't know what to call the account because we're going through a parish change. And this is a really stupid story, but it's funny. <laughs> I We're going through a, a name change of our parish. And so we're finally going to be declared Holy Spirit Parish mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. Wow. Actually, no, in a couple of – in two days. That's actually – So what exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. And so – but back then, we didn't know what our name was going to be. And we couldn't just call it, like, Newcastle Youth Ministry because it wasn't all Newcastle. Or we couldn't mm-hmm. just call it, like, Lawrence County because – and so I, I didn't know what to call the Instagram, so I named it Youth Group, Y-O-O-T-H-G-R-O-O-P. Oh, my god. Youth Group. <laughs> Did you use zeros for the O's? Because that's what I'm No, thinking. I didn't. That would have been funny, though. <laughs> that's awesome. That would been really funny. And the first picture of Fulton Sheen, the first picture was of Fulton Sheen doing, like, his shrug face. Okay, nice. And nice. it said, I guess I got, I, I said, I made this page to relate to the youth. Love it. And Joel saw that, and he was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a spam account. <laughs> it's it's terrible how um, working in, like, in youth ministry in any regard, but particularly in social media, how, yeah. uh, like, what like triggers you and um and the red flags that come up from seeming I mean like things that are in reality pretty pretty insignificant yeah exactly but yeah. um but yeah I can understand why why that would concern him <laughs> <laughs> but since since starting that Instagram page yeah. I've had so much fun that's awesome 
it's just been I, I I started doing like stories and stuff with Father Anthony, and they uh, and I don't I don't know if they like it or not, uh-huh. but I'm just having fun, and they can tell that I'm having fun, and I think they like that. That's yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. That's more important than them being like, this is highly shareable, and I love this message, and it really <laughs> resonates with me. Like if they see you as like a faithful follower of Jesus, like authentically living and finding joy in the life that you live, like that's that's what matters. And because like because so much of their world is happening in the digital space, it it makes sense that you would express that there. You know, you can't expect them to yeah. show up to like like whatever you're doing on the weekends to see you like authentically living and finding joy. But if you can if you can insert that into their space, that's meaningful. Yeah, it's a really great tool to be able to reach them at any time. Like what during totally. during the CYMC week I, I did a, like a live story where I was like Hey, ask questions about the faith. And I got three questions and I answered them. So and that was cool. fun. That's awesome. And but and we this is what we were talking about yes. right after I did that. I was love like, this part. I have done I Ethan, especially if you're if you if for all of you who are faithful listeners of the crunch, you have heard how much effort Ethan and I have gone to just removing ourselves from the digital space. Mm-hmm. And now here I am at a Catholic conference, no less. Oh, yeah. Being told that I have to go back into the digital space. Oh, jeez. And it was just like, I just felt this like, first of all, I, I agreed. I just want to say that. Sure. But then I also felt this like sadness. Oh, yeah. Because I had t- I had done so much to just like remove my, especially my phone, mm-hmm. just like make my phone not as attached to me. Yes. And then, but then realizing that I have to... I was like, oh, I can still post on Instagram. I can just use like third-party apps. So I don't have to have the app and look at it all the time. But I'll post it to their... But then I'm like, but then I want... Then I'm making them look at their app all the time. Right. Am I like contributing to... Oh, man. A problem. The tension of my life. Yeah. And so, of course, you as someone who work in this... You are are coordinating (laughs) digital evangelization and outreach. Yeah. And especially when you see like you see companies have entire departments dedicated to youth outreach and it's all digital media and it's like all like designed to get their attention and keep it. Yeah. How, how do we like, how do we do that in a way that's moral? Right. Um, okay. This is my soapbox of the moment. So I'm really excited to get up on it and share because I have so many thoughts. I don't know if I've arrived yet at like, the solution for it, especially within the church, but I do think that it's a necessary conversation to be having. Um, but yeah, it is. It's very challenging. I think um, we we can we can see the necessity for like evangelizing on the digital continent, right? So like Benedict, Pope Benedict talked to Benedict, like we're on a first name basis. Pope Benedict <laughs> talked about my boy. Um, <laughs> evangelizing the digital continent. Um, He talked about this in 2009 about how this is where people are and Jesus sent us everywhere. So like we have this responsibility and he he specifically talks to young people. This is at World Communications Day. He talks to young people about their unique responsibility to go into the digital space and proclaim Jesus there because of the very fact that people are there, that souls are there. And so Jesus' name needs to be declared there. Um, and even like most recently in Christus Vivi, Pope Francis talks about the good of social media and how this fosters like communication and connection and like awareness of things that, um, that couldn't exist without, uh, technology and media developing the way that it has. Um, 
And there is like a need for that. We can't, as a church, like turn off um, our efforts in the digital space because the reality of the world that we live in, people are there. That's just, that's, that's a fact of life. Yeah. Um, but I, I completely agree with you that there is, um, an important question to be asked when we do that, uh, as far as how, how we can ethically, ethically do that because, um, or morally do that. Um, because I, my whole thing right now is that I do believe that, um, most digital technology, most social technology that is being developed, like the technology itself is, is developed in ways that are, are dehumanizing. Um, and yeah. I'll share a Which little, is scary. it is scary <laughs> and it, it is, um, I'll share a little backstory on this because I had a, a profound revelation, um, a few months ago when I came across this man name did did we talk about this when i saw you at cymc about not sure okay. but even if we didn't yeah there's a bunch of people who haven't heard I, it. yeah yeah yeah. But I, um anyways i came across this man named tristan harris i'm unsure actually of how i how i found his work but um he he worked at google for a long time um and he went to stanford was a a software engineer computer engineer something like that and worked in like um, product design and stuff at Google and um, essentially at one point just realized like that they at Google were creating products with the intention of um, of hijacking human attention and um, and and capitalizing on that aka like addicting people to their products and making it um, making people depend on their products in a way that is not humane. And so when he came to this realization, he shared that question or or basically just asked his team at Google, like, are we doing things that are ethical in our design of these products? And when he presented that to his team, the presentation he did went like viral within the company. Everybody started talking about it. And then it rose up to the executives and they were like, oh, wow, this is like an important question to be asking and decided that they would name him their chief design ethicist. So he worked at Google then just purely with the role of questioning um, what was right and wrong um, and what was respecting the human user um, within their product development. And, um, Mm -hmm. and he worked doing that for three years and then decided or came to the conclusion that it was impossible to undo what Google had done and that, um, that to make their products more humane requires starting from the ground up. And, um, and so he, I mean, it's just, it's kind of discouraging to hear that, but then he, he left Google and he started this, um, this company called the center for humane technology, which is dedicated to, uh, informing and consulting uh, people, groups, organizations that are developing new technology, especially social technology, um, and in order to create products that do respect the human person and don't hijack our attention and hijack our time and hijack our, our finite, um, like, uh, intellectual space, you know? And, um, yeah. and so that's what he has been working on. And, uh, and I'm very 
encouraged by that work. Just people call him like the conscience of Silicon Valley because he's he's in a big way the first person who really asked like what is right and wrong in this because you know like it's very we have to be honest about the fact that these are like publicly traded companies with um an who exists to make a profit, you know? And, um, and Pope Francis, he touches on this in Christus Vivit too. He talks about how, um, like the, there are economic interests behind the development of new technology that don't, uh, keep the good of the human person in mind as much as they keep the need for profit in mind. And so, um, and, and that that can lead to, manipulation yeah. and um and an inappropriate control of media anyways so this is all kind of like torn open this question for me like as as someone who works in digital evangelization who <clears throat> um who realizes that there is a need to go there there is a need to be in that space because people are in that space um like how how do how do we exist in that space productively but also um respectfully and and ultimately and i don't know what this looks like but ultimately draw people beyond that space um Mm -hmm. i think so bishop robert Barron has talked about how the social media is like is it's kind of funny this is the title of one of our talks at CYMC, but um, he talks about it as the Areopagus of today. That it, it's um, in Acts 17. There's this story about Paul in Athens. He goes to the Areopagus where it's the place for public discourse, right? And um, he goes and, and proclaims the gospel there. And I and we at Life Team use that story and Paul's example there as a model for evangelization in many ways. But one of the things that I think is a key difference is that, um, like the the context for discourse at the Areopagus, while similar in many regards regarding like what was being di- discussed about like big ideas and thoughts of the time and questions about God and existence and purpose, like all of the content is similar. It exists on social media, but the context of the discussion is is wildly different because you cannot have the same type of discourse that would have existed at the Areopagus on Twitter or on Instagram or in a YouTube video. It's like, um, I mean, there's that whole thought, the medium is the message. And, um, and I, the more that I've learned about this and tried to understand and wrap my head around it, the more I'm, I'm questioning how much we can, um, expect social media to be a means of, of, like healthy discourse about our faith. I do think that it is a place for evangelization in, in, in the sense that it's a place to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to, to um, express that one most important message. Absolutely. Like that has to be done. That is our obligation. That is our duty. But to expect that, um, that like the discourse that our church needs and that people outside of the church need to come to know the fullness and goodness of of the sacraments, of the person of Jesus, of morality, like that can't, I don't think productively happen, at least purely on social media. Um, yeah, it's always got, it's always like a, a means. Right. 
Right. Yeah, like social media is like the it's like a it's kind of like a front door. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I feel like the Areopagus was too. True. True. I. Mm, yeah. Because like obviously it wasn't it the Areopagus wasn't isn't something that still exists. Well, right. at least in in its original sense. And sure. It's like. Paul was going in there with the intention of drawing them out of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that needs to be our approach when it comes, like as a church, when it comes to um, social media and digital technology in general is that, uh, and I, I think I struggle with this because a lot of, so a lot of my thought, like prior to confronting this question and this challenge and this tension is, had been um, acknowledging like how good it was that um, or how good it is that people in all different places and walks of life and experiences can connect digitally. Um, And, and like, there's, there's part of me that, that is tempted to believe that like the church just needs to lean more into that. And like, uh, and what does that look like? You know, there's um, it's, it's more than just like creating more Twitter accounts. It's, it's, um, it's <laughs> yeah. you know, like inviting people into the life of the church via um, like live streamed events and um, via different uh, um, like digital communities that make people mm-hmm. know that they belong and are wanted. And um, and like that all I, I don't think is is problematic. But if we think that. um that like the the discourse can stop in that space that it's sufficient there i think we're we're missing the mark i think there needs to be um a greater conscience conscious effort to uh to draw people off of off of this digital space into authentic human connection um and and so, I don't know, I have like some very vague ideas of what that looks like, but like part of it I think is, is, um, is restoring or renewing, uh, how we live out parish life and communal life. Um, mm-hmm. and, but anyways, this, this is, this is a bunch of just my thoughts and not really resolutions, but I don't know. Oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll get to that. We have time. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the answer is that social media is the matrix. Right. Well, yes, my boss and I talk about this all the time. Or not, well, not my boss, Sergio Garcia. He is our director of video, film and video and production stuff. And we talk about this all the time, how it is the Matrix. Anyways, sorry, proceed. Yeah. I cut you off. It's hand, it's hands down the Matrix. And we just got to red pill everybody. It's true. It's, it's well, yeah, that's the <laughs> thing. I, and like the constant struggle that I have with, with what we're or not a constant struggle. That sounds so dramatic, but I'm a hyper dramatic. It's person. very social media. It is. Const, hashtag constant struggle. Yeah. Um, but I, I think about like what it is that we're doing and, um, and like when it comes down to like crafting blog titles or video topics or, um, or like even just like a, a tweet or a photo, like to a certain extent, it has to be crafted with, um, with the thought of, of essentially like hijacking a person's attention, which is very concerning to me because like, yeah, as someone who aims to respect all human people, 
I think that that aim is um, is very uh, challenged in the digital space because in order to like to build a platform and like speak something meaningful into someone's life and and share that most one important message with with people in the digital space to a certain extent you do have to um, you have to offer something that is going to like so to speak stop the scroll or um, or get someone to think twice and yeah. to and, and like that can happen in a number of ways but like what we've seen with like Facebook's AI and stuff is that Facebook has written algorithms which um, respond to people's outrage more than like a, a productive mm-hmm. um, emotion yeah. but outrage isn't something that we choose outrage is something that happens to us and so Facebook realizes that if people well their technology has learned like people scrolling past something, if they see something that outrages them, they'll stop and they'll look at that and they'll want to know more. And, um, and it's, it's my aim with what we're doing at Life Team to offer people something meaningful. Yes, that most important gospel message, but I, I never want to rely on like human outrage or, um, yeah. or, and like this comes down to like something as, as silly as clickbait, but like, yeah. Um, Man, I read it. I read half of a Cosmopolitan article yesterday because I was so mad at the title, and then I like was <laughs> scrolling sense. past the ads, and I was like, "Dang it, they made money off right. of me!" No, yes. I've been duped. Yeah, it's 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 a struggle because um because they and that's not to say that everything that stops a scroll has to cause outrage, but um, yeah, but you like having a platform in the digital space requires um thinking critically about how to compete with voices that do generate outrage and voices that do mm. generate um, like less uh, positive responses. And, and that's a huge challenge. And I think ultimately too, ultimately that's a word that I use far too often, but um, <laughs> I, I think it does, it does come down to, to letting go to a certain extent. Obviously you have to be smart about the balance here, but letting go of um, clinging uh, desperately to metrics and and like metric success in the, in the digital space because um, if you're if you're getting uh, I don't know ten percent engagement on your Instagram account that's that's impressive that's awesome if if ten percent of your followers are engaging with any one post that's awesome but if if what you're posting is is I, I would say the the two things that annoy me the most this is very candid and personal but the two things that annoy me the most that seem to generate a lot of engagement are things that are like shallow and empty uh, like memes Mm. (laughs) memes and (laughs) um and not that i mean i love a good meme i have a meme group chat and it's (laughs) super fun but but if it if it's something that is a meme that doesn't lead to a profound not a profound but like doesn't lend itself to proclaiming that most important message of Jesus Christ like what's the point because you're getting all this engagement and good for you but but is the person who double tapped that really going to walk away and know that like Jesus considers she or he worthy of salvation um yeah and and then the second thing is um oh my gosh my brain just stopped memes oh and things that things that are um like outrage driven because it's really easy to, Mm. I mean, we see this with like the, um, when, um, any kind of legislation about reproductive rights is in the news. Um, I, uh, like we see 
outrage-driven content on both ends of the spectrum. Um, yeah. On both ends. Regardless of, the of regardless of who won in the end of right, the day, absolutely. everyone's mad. Yeah, and and I think um like we see those I don't even know what they're called, but those cakes. Um, do, do you oh, know yeah. like the feminist cakes? And there's like I I just remember Miley Cyrus posted one that said like abortion is women's health care which is like yeah. literally designed to outrage people like me you know it's that is an yeah. that is a piece of content that has been created to outrage a person who believes that abortion is a moral mm. evil and that um all human life is sacred and and that like okay maybe you're gonna get wild engagement on that because you're gonna get people agreeing and disagreeing with you on all says anyways um, but it's, it's not designed for like a healthy, uh, a discourse or question or reflection or discussion on anything. It's just designed to get the people who agree with you on board even more and to get the people who disagree with you even more, um, oh, yeah. like, like create a, a greater divide. And, and that remember the red cups, the red cups. The red Starbucks cup. Oh my gosh! Yes. That was ironically that was the that was like one of the the most significant times for me like getting red pilled on social media. Wow. I was like, wait a second, I haven't seen anyone mad about the red cups. Mm-hmm. All I've seen are people mad about the people that are mad at the red cups. Yes. And now I'm mad at the people that are mad about the people that are mad. Right. This doesn't end, does it? It's it just keeps going. It's so. It's so upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I was like, and I was like, what's happening is like, I think, I think what happened is three people are upset. And then what happens is it just drives up traffic. And now I'm thinking about Starbucks. Yeah. It's like, huh? Yeah. This was all an ad. Right. And I tried to post about it, but like no one was listening. I felt, I felt like, I felt like a a crazy person. I was like, nobody's listening to me. Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel like a crazy person very often. Literally I'll be like (laughs) at lunch or in meetings at work and... (laughs) There was a meeting not too long ago where we were talking about um, about teens and social media and 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 like just the number. We were talking about teens and what they're going through, honestly, and um, and how to minister to them. And I was just like, you know, social media is an addiction, and the majority of Americans are addicted. The majority of American teens are addicted. I don't even know what we need to do, but we need to do something about it because we're all addicted. We don't even realize it. <laughs> and I just felt like this crazy person but it's like that's the pepe sylvania the pepe sylvia scene from always sunny have you seen oh, that Oh no i'm unfamiliar it's the, you've probably seen the meme it's like the guy with like the it's the guy with like the papers all up on the on yes! the wall and he's oh, like yeah. yeah it's that yeah <laughs> that is me that is how i feel <laughs> yeah social media is a sin everyone we gotta go yeah. we gotta run Pope francis say something please um <laughs> i haven't gotten to that part of chrissy's vivid yet but oh it's I'm working on it's it. lovely um hey thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch sorry to interrupt what i'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation but i wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors we will be back right after this what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get too deep into it, but he does talk about how he acknowledges the, the good in social media, but is, yeah. is is very honest about the the negative implications that it has because they're real. They're really real. And I will say, I do think Generation Z, which technically, are you Gen Z? So I'm right on the border. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I think I think the the distinguishing factor is that I didn't have I didn't really have social media growing up. Got it. So I was kind of grown up once. Like social media existed, but it wasn't on my phone sure. at school all day. Okay. That's like a big demographic shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge. Um, I do think that Gen Z is more uh conscious of the negative effects of social media than millennials are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Cause I think they've seen like we like millennials just saw new technology and got excited and were like, This is amazing. This is doing things that I've never been able to do before. I can make money off exactly. of this. Exactly. <laughs> Which I I mean that's that's just a real part of my generational cohort's experience but um but gen z has kind of seen where that falls short and and has has felt the negative effects you know and and i think i as as silly as it might sound i really do i am grateful for like the celebrities and gen z icons who speak about these things who um share openly about like how social media has affected them people like I, like Justin Bieber, Sean Mendes, Selena Gomez, they've all talked about it relatively openly. And, um, and I think that's important for young people to hear those, those perspectives yeah. and, and to take them on. Um, because they, they think a bit more critically before like trying something new. That doesn't mean that they've like completely cut off their addiction or their desire for it, but they, um, they definitely are thinking a little bit more about things. Yeah. And I think I think they draw the conclusion between I'm sad all the time and I'm also on Instagram all the exactly. time. Exactly. They see that correlation yeah. very clearly. They see they're they're not stupid. Right. And I think I think that, that what to your to your point like Pope Francis talking about social media, I think that we're kind of alone on this one. Like I think this is a fight that like that generationally it's not really something that older generations can help with, which totally. is weird. Totally. Totally. Because because for for the majority of humanity Mm -hmm. parents were like i was young once too and i understand exactly what you're going through because i went through that too and that's true however a lot of what's happening now has not been experienced by anyone before Mm -hmm. and we don't really know what an adult looks like coming out the other end of this right right so like we i think that this needs to be addressed by young people because the pope didn't grow up with instagram yeah that's a really good he grew up normal yeah (laughs) normal totally i was was talking about this last night with a friend Cause I was like, I was like, you know, honestly, I, I don't understand how high schoolers nowadays do it. Oh yeah. I can't, 
navigating the social mores of high school was hard enough, but now I have to learn eight different social media apps. I remember the first time Snapchat stories came out, I posted, oh my gosh. Oh dear. I posted about having like met a girl Uh at a party. Oh wow. I didn't know social, I didn't know that, I didn't know that Snapchat stories were public. Oh wow. I didn't know that. And it was so embarrassing. And I was like, well, dang it. (laughs) That's, that sucks. Did she view it? Could you see? I, well, we never talked again, so probably. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh wow! And it's just it's just those little those little like those little like social scars you have that like avert you. And honestly, I I was from then on I like really never posted on my Snapchat story, and so that's like something that I was like, yeah, I'm just never gonna do that again because it's too risky. Right. So it's like those little those little things you have to you have to navigate that, and then also navigating like your own emotions and all that stuff as a kid. Totally. It's just so hard. Totally, it just adds and, the complexity. And I think I think Bishop Barron. I, did we talk about this at the conference? Because Bishop Barron was talking about how we need like a religious order that's dedicated to social media. <gasps> no, but that sounds amazing. Okay, so I heard this, and so this is definitely like hearsay of hearsay. Okay. But I heard that he called for that, and my first response was, "Ugh, no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I because I I'm just imagining like I'm just imagining like a a little a little monk in a cell you know right. with like a bravery and an ipad mm, you know just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like right before he goes to bed he takes a picture of his bravery and he's like hashtag bagels Ew. um <laughs> but it's just <laughs> hashtag bagels oh my god um but i i do think that there's a need i don't actually know if i've talked about this on the podcast before so if i'm repeating stuff dear listener forgive me <laughs> But I th- I do think there needs to be some kind of like rule of life for the way that we conduct ourselves on social yeah. media, and I think that and like because since since going on Instagram more often, I honestly feel better about myself than when I was on Twitter all the time. Oh my gosh, yeah. I feel so much nicer. Yes. You know, I see all my friends and their happy lives, right. and I think that I think that that it, there's this kind of like there's this kind of like trope of. Oh, I'm so jealous. They're all having so much fun, right. but I'm legitimately happy for sure. my friends having fun, yeah. you know? And so it's like, I don't feel like left out of the fun. Right, right. Um, but I'm like, well, you guys look so happy and so fun. And then on Twitter, it's like, hot take, hot take, Truly. hot take, hot take. And I'm like, I hate, all- I'm just, I'm just so hot. It I is. I want to yeah. cool down. It's just like fire everywhere. <laughs> um, and so we, I think we need to like, even on Catholic Twitter. Oh God. Which is so disappointing. Yeah. But I, I want I want to, and then when people have interactions with Catholic Twitter, yeah. they end up. Uh, there was this one. There's one lady who the one lady who tweeted about the Corpus Christi procession. Oh my gosh! Yes. Do you remember like, that? So this girl, this poor girl, just curious. like, what is this? Yeah. And understandably so, because it's weird. Right. If you've never been to a Catholic As church, a Catholic bunch of dudes walking so around. Weird. Like, can we just address that real quick and just acknowledge that? And and accept yeah. it and embrace it and own it. Yeah. Yeah, we give we give fireballs to fourteen year old boys and tell them to swing them around. <laughs> yeah, if we're Go pretending it, we're kid. not weird, then, then that's the start of the problem. And then she tweeted like, "What is this?" And then everyone on Catholic Twitter started roasting her. They were like, "Oh well, haven't you ever heard of a Corpus Christi procession?" And I was like, "Honestly, probably not," because I think I've never. I I, t- I responded to her. I was like, "I've never seen one, and I've been Catholic my whole life." So welcome to the club. And I was like. Hopefully you feel better about yourself because I res- because someone responded nicely because right. she even said like some people were very angry that I'd never seen this before other people right. were very nice right. and I was like imagine if everyone was nice right 
Well, yeah, and I think that says a lot, too, about, like, about just the nature of evangelization in general. I think there is so much about our faith and so much that um, that is not, like, accessible at first glance or um, yeah (laughs) and 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 like you know I've thought a lot about not a lot but a decent bit about like um the and this is a bit of a tangent is it okay if I go on a tangent absolutely this is the okay (laughs) (laughs) I've thought a little bit about um just like the evangelical nature of of the mass and that like that we have to think about the fact that the mass doesn't like as, as like the, the, the core practice, let, let's call it the core practice of, of, uh, Catholics that it, um, yeah. that it, <laughs> I'd say that's an apt description of the you, mass. Thank you. <laughs> that it is, it is not meant to be like an evangelical tool. Exactly. Not, I was just about to say yeah, that. Yeah. There's so much, I think that, and like, I, of course, like I want when people to show up to a church, if they're, if um if they're coming to a Catholic mass, I want them to feel welcomed. I want them to feel like they belong. Yeah. I want them to feel like they're wanted. But like, there's so much that that doesn't make sense at first glance, and that isn't meant to make sense because like, and not that like the mass should be inaccessible to people. Um, but but we sh- we can't take for granted the fact that like these are our practices and these are our expressions of these beliefs and our our evangel our even. <laughs> <laughs> Our evangelization has to start with um, with a lot that happens before someone oh, yeah. comes to mass to Definitely. receive the Lord there, you know? And, and I think the reaction to that post on Twitter upset me because I don't think that people, the, the negative reactions were taking that into account because like, we're just assuming that that everyone has already accepted and believes what we know and believe to be true. And that's just, which is stupid. It is stupid. And no wonder people (laughs) feel isolated. Like if I expect you to have this, um, have adopted all of this without even like being in relationship with a person who, who believes all of it, like, it's it's just silly. It's just silly. Yeah. And, I think I think you bring up a good point of of we this needs to happen before anyone walks to the door. Mm-hmm. I had a, I I was talking to a guy last night mm-hmm. who and I actually gave him my card. So if you're listening, Daniel, shout out. Daniel. Um. <laughs> Sorry. He uh. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> Sound like you knew him forever. You're I mean, like... maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but he uh he said he said something that like as, as I've been thinking about since he said it. He was like. Uh, in order to, he was 100% serious and he, he, he's a fallen away Catholic. He hasn't gone to church in a while. And he was like, I think that the Catholic church has horrible marketing. And I was like, that's fair. Yeah. I'm going to accept that as fact. And he's like, because you can't really become Catholic unless you've been Catholic your whole life. Mm. And I was like, interesting. Hmm. Cause he, he has this, he has his perspective, his perspective of the church, which is, which is a valid perspective Absolutely. because he's a person. Yeah. His perspective is that you have to be born into the Catholic church in order to be Catholic. Mm. And I was like thinking about that. My my response should have been now that I'm thinking about it. My response should have been that historically has not been the case. Yeah. I mean, literally, no one yeah. is born into the Catholic faith. Right. People are born into, Ju- into Judaism. Right, right. You know, like that's a thing. Yeah. But but the Catholic Church is not a hereditary church. Right. It's a it's a global church that you are born into when you're baptized. Right. So like, what did 
what did we lose? And I think I think what I pointed out to him was like just isolate it to the American church because sure. that's all that we really know right, about. Because right. globally we have no idea. I brought up I brought up China and he was like, I hadn't thought about wow. that. And I was like, Yeah, I'm sure they're you know, they're they they they're not they're not lazy about going to church like we are. Sure. Um but like but like think about the American church is that we've lost this uh this evangelical idea of the church because we don't know what evangelization is right. outside of pancake breakfast. Right. Which are awkward. And after mass yes. too. So like We're assuming when are you people supp- are already there? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. And I was like, imagine he was talking about how he just doesn't he doesn't feel like he can sit down with a priest and like Oh, he was talking about news anchors. He's like, I just don't trust news anchors uh-huh. because they're all dressed up fancy uh-huh. and they look better than me and they're like telling me what to think. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. And there's a, there's a direct, uh, if you if you if you take that attitude and you directly apply it to a priest, yeah. it's pretty much the same thing. They're dressed fancier, right. they know more than me, and they're telling me what to right. do. And I was like, exactly. Like you need to be told that God loves you yeah. by someone that you trust. And so you should right. see those priests outside of church, and you should like we should we should Catholics should be visible in the public yes. sphere yes. and welcoming and loving and not assuming that people already are against them. Right. That was a big thing for me in high school. I assumed that because you weren't Catholic, you must have all these opinions about Catholicism. Right, right. I, it's very it's very self-centered because, honestly, I really don't think about Mormonism mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. like a Mormon would. Right, right. So I don't have all of these, like, I'm not sitting in my room going, man, I hate the Mormon church so right. much. I can't wait to get into an argument on Twitter with right, them. Right, right. Um, so why should I assume that someone sits around thinking about the Catholic church? They're not part of this religion. Absolutely. They probably don't give it a thought but unless and then that one interaction on twitter just ruins it for him it's actually that's the thing about social media is it it can go one of two ways it can like ruin your experience with catholicism right away or it can make it you know right so that was kind of a tangent yeah that was a tangent thanks for letting me but that's fine (laughs) so my one of one of the the topics i want to end on is on uh you said that like social media is dehumanization (laughs) And it's kind of like it's kind it of inherent so in. Sorry, what? It sounds so extreme, but I, I, I. Well, I mean, I think you're right. Yeah, thanks. It's because just categorically, I mean, I, I, did you see that episode of Black Mirror? Oh my gosh, which one? There's in the new no, season. There's an episode on social media. I'm scared okay, to watch so I, it because my roommate no watched it, and I was like, ah, this is too much. The Striking Vipers one was weird. Oh, okay. That one was weird. It was about is that the video. It was game about one? VR. Yeah, it was about virtual reality okay. and like how virtual reality is definitely like some. Th- Never. Mind. Oh dear. It it was. I mean, when the first the first time I ever heard of VR, my first reaction was, "Oh, this is hands down going to be used for porn." Oh, and then, like literally two weeks later, I saw like I saw an ad on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was right. Wow. It was definitely be like that's the only reason it was wow. used. Like no, like oh, it's gonna enhance your gaming experience. Right, no, right. it's not. It's not what it's gonna do. That's not why people invented oh, it. Anyway, like that, that takes the dehumanization of of porn to like a whole nother level. A whole level. new level. And it's it, like you don't even actually need a person right, anymore. Right. Oh, so the the second episode was about about social media mm-hmm. and and the the one of the characters is like the head of this organization and he made a remark he the head of like the most popular social uh-huh. media so it's kind of like a facebook twitter instagram hybrid okay. is his thing and uh he was like honestly when i created this i didn't realize what it was going to become yeah. and they just kept telling me you got to keep you got to keep engagement up you got to keep engagement right. up you got to keep engagement up and so the ceo was like it, it got out of my hands but um when the iPhone was created, I don't know if you told this story, mm-hmm. 
but like someone told this story that I've heard at a conference. Mm-hmm. Like Steve Jobs didn't want third party apps on the iPhone. Oh, I, I'm unfamiliar yeah, he, with this story. So I've definitely his first is I think one of his one of the first things he said was like, I don't want like behind closed doors. He said, mm-hmm. like, I don't want some third party app developer screwing up our system. Wow. But eventually third party apps were allowed on the iPhone mm-hmm. and Facebook, which was a desktop thing. Yeah. Twitter, which was mobile only through texts. Right. All of a sudden, they realized that they now had constant access yep. to, and there's there's even like there's even like reasons why um, Twitter Mobile sucks on the on the web browser. Mm-hmm. On your mobile web browser, it sucks because they want you to download yep. the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Facebook on the desktop is clunky. Yep. They want you to use the app, and so you're using Twitter using Twitter on your phone, even though there's a computer right in front right. of you, you could access it exactly. on. Exactly. It's because it's so much easier to use on the phone, yeah. and they realize that if like. When people took out their phone and looked at it, now what the iPhone was created for was was music and and phone, yeah. and now it's barely even used for either of those right. things. Spotify kind yeah. of helped with that, but um, yeah, it, it was and like all the all these users back to the dehumanization yeah. thing, they were seen as numbers, right. and whenever a person is seen as a number, it's dehumanizing. Yep. Just it's very it's very Kantian. It's yeah. like a human a human person is always the end mm-hmm. of the goal, not the means. Mm-hmm. But social media flips that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'd say for business reasons, always Absolutely, is that yeah. the human is the means to the end of us. Right. We are the end. Ugh. And so how do we flip? How do, how do, I guess you and I, not only is like, cause you're a professional who works in that field mm-hmm. of social media, mm-hmm. but how do, how do we as just individual persons mm-hmm. flip the script and say, no, now we are going to view each person on social media as an end. Mm-hmm. And social media is the means to reach that person, mm-hmm. whether it's for evangelization or just for like yeah. normal conversation. Yeah. Wow. That's a really phenomenal question. I think, um, I think most immediately about like my, my personal use of social media and how I, I aim to do that. I think you just kind of like put words, (laughs) words to it. But I think, um, (laughs) that, that comes, I I think it can come down to a lot of like practical profit, um, like practicals. And, um, and for me, it like I I think it it's less about I don't know I'm thinking very off the cuff right now, but I think that it's 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 less about like what I'm posting, how I'm posting, but has a lot to do with like who I choose to follow, who I choose to like um, to 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 hear, and and uh, as I'm saying this, I feel like that sounds like exclusive and like uh like I'm like rejecting people but but (laughs) but but it's not I think that it it, what I what I mean when I say that is that um when I am connecting with people on social media I am aiming to um support the value that I have in in my like friendship or connection with those people because like all yeah. the, like I, I follow certain celebrities and I follow like different brand pages and movements so it's not like every person I follow on social media is someone who I'm like in a relationship with and like see on it like a yeah. weekly, anything like that but but I think um so I think what it means is like choosing to um to connect with those things that support what I, what I most value. And this is, this is very much a direct consequence of, 
uh, me reading this book earlier this year called Digital Minimalism. Um, it's by Cal Newport. Oh, nice. It's so yeah. good. And um, and it talks about it talks about the whole philosophy of digital minimalism and what it takes to practice it. And digital minimalism is defined as um, as using technology, uh, using digital technology only that supports um, what you value. So like being very selective about which technology you're using, why you're using it, how you're using it to support what it is that you value. And, um, and I think like with that in mind, like there, there are the key things that I value. It's like my faith and my family, my friends, um, that sounds so cliche, like something embroidered on a hobby lobby pillow. But, um, (laughs) but I, I, like, I think that, having that all at the forefront of my mind when it comes to determining who I'm engaging with in social on social media is most helpful in um in keeping the people that I connect with on social media like central um and yeah um, and not allow and and here's the thing too about my social media I think sometimes it's kind of funny that I work in social media I, I mean, I love it. I, I do love social media. I think there's a lot of fun, cool, awesome things about it. But like my personal presence on social media is not crazy active. Like I don't have like a super curated account or like a bunch of like highly edited like processes <laughs> that I go through for anything that I post. It's usually pretty like uh, just like in the moment stuff. Um, yeah. But and and so – me out because I didn't really know where I was going with that but I I think that um (laughs) that having that consciousness of what I value um and who I value when I'm on social media helps me um kind of like keep that space healthy um yeah and and not a place where I am uh giving time and attention to things that I don't value because I don't value um, like an unreasonable uh, debate about a liturgical practice, you know, like, like I value liturgy. I value good liturgy. I value good liturgical practice, but like, um, but I don't, I don't value um, having that conversation with in a context that a doesn't lend itself to healthy discourse and B um, doesn't, um, support the relationships in my life or the, or, or the, honestly, like my practice of the liturgy, you know, like it's like, I I don't think a Twitter debate about that is going to make my engagement in the mass, um, more true, good or beautiful. I don't know. That was, that was not entirely clear, but I would love to know your thoughts on the matter. Your, um, your thoughts on how to keep the person central and, and, um, and elevated in this space. I don't have any ideas. That's why you're here. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> no. So you, you brought up, honestly, you brought up a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a tweet a couple of days ago that was social media is bad because you only follow people that or because it's an echo chamber because you only follow people that you like and that make you happy, which is bad for some reason. Oh. Um, and I was like, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of, but I, I've heard this before, especially in studying communications. Sure. It was that like, 
Social media is the daily me. So it's like your daily newspaper mm. of only stuff that you're right. interested in. And that's bad right. because you don't have a full view of the totally. world. Um, I'm starting to disagree. Yeah. With that. I don't think that's the case at all. Mm. I think that social media is designed to show you things you're not interested yeah. in that make you upset. Yeah. For instance, Twitter has a feature that shows you tweets that, of people that you don't follow yep. because other people that you follow follow yep. them. Um, they show you tweets that are trending yep. in other places. They say, like, you might like this tweet. And it's like, yeah. these 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 mediums are designed. I mean, Instagram doesn't do right. that because Instagram's not designed to make you mad about mm-hmm. things. And so I think like Twitter is designed to make you mad about yeah. things. Um, and so I think unfollowing people that make you mad uh-huh. or muting them or blocking uh-huh. them is great. Uh-huh. <laughs> Something interesting about the mute feature on Twitter is that you can still see the tweet. Mm-hmm. It's just behind a little box and it says, you muted this person. Oh. You want to see it? And it's like, it always gets me because I'm like, but I want to see oh, that's it. that's so funny. It sucks. That's I'm like, no, no, no. I, genius design and so I'm just, on their part. It's incredibly, it's incredibly devious. It's incredibly mm-hmm. devious. Cause it's like okay, yeah, sure, we'll show you the thing. We won't, we won't show you, so you don't get mad at right. us when you see right. it. But we'll we'll show we'll give you the option. It's kind of like the screen time totally. thing on, on the iPhone. <laughs> it's like no, 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 sure, we won't we won't take up your attention, but we'll give you the option. I guarantee the reason I don't use screen time is because I guarantee you that they're tracking mm. it. They want to see how bad. They want to see how low your willpower oh, is. That's what it is. That's so rude. I have a I, I, I decided in, in my in my in my uh, mission to not use Twitter on my mm-hmm. phone, I I blocked Facebook and I blocked Twitter on the um on the browser uh-huh. and then I, I gave my phone to Phoebe and she set a passcode lock. Oh nice. So I can't I can't unlock it myself. Yeah. But the screen time is still locked. I can't change any of the set any of the settings, but I can still say view anyway. Mm. I can still override it. So like a kid who wants to limit whose parent wants to limit screen yeah. time can still override screen yeah. time. Anyway, that's not important. But I think what you were saying with like only surrounding yourself, I mean, that's what we should do in reality, right? We should only surround ourselves with people who bring us closer right. to happiness, right? right? Closer to yeah. God. And so we should do the same thing on mm-hmm. social media where we only follow people that we, that not that we like, right. but only follow people that bring us joy. We got a Marie Kondo social media. Oh my gosh. Someone said that. This week at LTLC, I'm trying to remember, or, or maybe it was Steubenville this last week. I've been at a lot of events this year or this summer. So boy, boy, someone howdy. was saying that, but um, but yeah, Marie Kondo social media. I'm. Does this I'm spark joy? It. Yeah. Um, or not? Like, right? And I, I, do you know what a hate follow is? Have you heard of this? Have you heard of this follow? whole thing? No. I hate follow. Oh, I learned about this a while ago and I just never understood why on earth anyone would do this to themselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, someone was talking about like, I think it was actually Ethan. He was talking about how he like hate followed somebody. Mm-hmm. Cause like, he's like, I hate what they say. So I'm going to follow them so I can see it. What? And it's like this weird, like it's this weird, like instinct that we have. Right. I think I have done it before, yeah. but like thinking about it, it's like, like why would I want to see yeah. tweets from someone who's, we had this hater a while back who would just Aww. like constantly, I think he was the guy behind that account we were talking oh, about geez. earlier. He uh he he would he would very frequently target the crunch. He would talk about us and then he would like screenshot tweets of ours from like years mm-hmm. ago and talk about how we were like being unorthodox mm-hmm. and how we were secretly like trying to take down the church from the inside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first of all, that's really funny. <laughs> like I, I just thought I just found I just found it I just found it very yeah. funny because it was like it, it was honestly probably something that like gave gave into my pride a little oh, bit sure. like that someone thought that i was powerful right, enough to do right, anything right. about anything you yeah. know like 
But uh, eventually, I just had to like block him. Mm-hmm. Then he added me on Snapchat, and I was like, "Nope, oh my <laughs> that's goodness. bad." But yeah, man, it was it was a, it's a lot, yeah. and, and it's all it's all Twitter. And so I, I've spent a lot of my I spent a lot of my young life trying to figure out how to uh, make Twitter a better place. Mm-hmm. Wow, for like I and to use you. it better, mm-hmm. but not not in, I don't want that shouldn't sound like some kind of grand. No, thing. no, no, so no. and I'm not trying to like. But, like patronize that state. I really do. I'm, I'm grateful that people are dedicated to that. I like, I would, I think I can become a bit, um, despairing when I think of Twitter. And that, that's kind of the conclusion I'm coming yeah. to. It's like, Oh no, all is lost. And I come to that a lot. Mm-hmm. And cause like I, my, my issue is I can't even stop myself mm-hmm. from making it. So yeah. like, that's the thing is like, I, I want, I want there to be like some kind of list of things mm-hmm. Of like this is these are bad practices on yeah. Twitter and you should stop yeah. doing them. And here's a good virtue. Sure. Here's a good digital. Someone should write a book on digital virtue. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Oh my gosh, Patrick. Yes. Yeah. This is this is all that I'm yeah. saying. And and Leah, I'm telling you, you need to write this wow. book. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I'm up for it. But but no, as you're talking, I'm thinking too, like the whole idea of 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 like respecting the person on the other end of our accounts too. Like I, I, I totally agree with you. We need to like be selective about, um, about what we're allowing into our life to ensure that it like, it is sparking joy. But, um, but also <laughs> like, I think what I like another very practical thing, and it sounds almost stupid to name it, but is just like thinking, like think about the human on the other end before you post anything. And, and I know that yeah. sounds like such a like, like like a dumb little thing but like it's something there was a while ago I posted something on Twitter and um and it was like a hot take about men's opinions on abortion and I was just really upset by men who align themselves with feminism but like like champion abortion as if it's like anyways it it was it was this hot take that I thought was like important to be out there and almost like I let it sit there for like 12 hours and some people like reacted to it or whatever. Um, but then I took it down and, and I tweeted something about how like a hot take is only as valuable as it's, it's only valuable if like the person that you're delivering it to like is confident that you love them. And like the men who I was addressing in that tweet didn't know or care or could, could perceive that like I authentically like want to love them or like want to love all people. And, um, and I think that that's something that would benefit us greatly. It, it sounds so simple, but just like thinking about the humans that are going to process what this, this information that you're putting in the digital space or this experience that you're sharing in the digital space. Um, and that's not to say like, don't share things that will offend people because there's a lot about our faith and there's a lot about our lives that have the potential to offend, um, different yeah. people with different lines of thought and thinking, but like, but there is a better way than just like throwing out a hot take, you know, there, there, there has to be a better way. And I, and I think I'll kind of like draw back to what we were talking about a bit earlier that sometimes a hot take on Twitter is not the most effective way to go. Um, and that perhaps keeping that to yourself or keeping reserving those conversations for those contexts where a person is convinced that you love them and a person is convinced that God loves them. Um, perhaps that's that's a better way to go than than just throwing it into the digital space um and and i don't yeah. I, and yeah digital virtue that's a really 
That's a profound Because even, even in like face-to-face evangelization, it's really easy to just go for the objective, here's why God exists. Mm-hmm. And it's vi- it's extremely tempting. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. yesterday that Daniel, that I, the guy that I was talking about, shout out Daniel, Daniel. once more. I was, I was sitting there and we, we were talking about like, he was like, he said, he said, I think the existence of God is subjective. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was extremely funny to me because obviously that's right, not true. Right. Like, I mean, just, just if you step back and say like, okay, either God exists or he right. doesn't, that's just true. Yeah. He can't exist for one person, not for the other. But like in that moment, it was not the time to slam dunk him with philosophy right. yet. because I'm looking right at him and I want this, I want, and I have this social need to be appreciated. It just in this, in this, so it's a, it's inappropriate uh-huh. to just dunk on someone in oh, person. Yeah. So why on earth would I do that on Twitter too? But I do that. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, Bishop Barron has talked about this a lot, but I I think this kind of lends itself. The idea that um, of of like leading with beauty when it comes to evangelization and, and sharing the beauty of our faith. And I think that social media is very much a space for that. But like, if like, if someone isn't convinced that our faith is beautiful, why the heck would they care about the truth of it? You know? Um, yeah. And and there and I know that temptation. I know it very well, but you're right when you're when you're looking someone in the eyes um just like throwing philosophy and theology at them is not the human response. The human response is is well first off, I think Jesus modeled this very well um is listening and yeah. um and, and and like of course like being bold in defending the truth and presenting the truth but letting a person know that they are seen and known. And that I, I think that has to happen by listening and hearing, hearing a perspective that, that maybe is not aligned with truth. Um, but, but like, and you can't show that you're listening on social media. Exactly. You just can't. So you got to really, really try. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, we've, we talked about how I, I, I started out, I forget what, when I presented this to my teens, but I, I mentioned that like, I mentioned how, how prayer is um, a conversation because mm. we we're talking about how to pray. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that's a really easy thing to say. And I've said that a lot, but I'm slowly realizing that I didn't actually, I wasn't born knowing how to have a conversation mm. because texting is the exact opposite of a conversation. Right. Oh my God. Because in a conversation, you sit and mm-hmm, listen to a person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in a text and in texting, you have to say something in order for the conversation to continue. Right. right. You can sit in silence. You can't sit in silence on a text because then it's right. over. You know, there's no, even, even when we were texting about the, about the show yesterday, there was no clear end to the conversation. Oh, it could have yeah, continued, totally. but I was tired. Totally. And so I just left it and went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's just a normal way to text, but that's not a normal way to talk. Right. And so it's also, it's a normal way to tweet, but not a normal way to evangelize. Right. So like we have to understand, I think one of the biggest steps to, uh, to rehumanizing social media is understanding the limitations. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. So that, that's a good, that's a good. Yeah. Anyway, so we're we're nearing an hour yes. and a half, which is yes. great. This has been jam-packed. which is perfect. And I'm, it's been so fun I'm very talking excited. to you. <laughs> it's so it, yeah, and this is such a fun topic it too. Is. I could talk about it for oh, so me long. Too. I guess Leah, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. I would like to ask if you have any final thoughts on rehumanizing social media. On rehumanizing social media. Um, here's here's a final thought. This is well, yeah, digital virtue, like you said. That's for like all of us users. But I also think that there is an, uh, an important need for um, ethical, moral, well-formed Catholics developing the technology that we're on because I still think there is an inherent 
dehumanization that exists in the actual design of a lot of the social media that we use. And so this is just one, one, one call to any of you like <laughs> technologically minded, um, uh, like software engineers, computer scientists, uh, super intelligent Catholics out there. Um, I, ju I just want to encourage people in that world who, um, who have well-formed consciences and, and know the dignity of the human person to, um, <laughs> I feel bad making this request because it's, it's a, I, I can't <laughs> do this, but I want to encourage the people who have the skills and talents and gifts to go bravely into that, into that space, into, into development, into, um, design and, and, and not, not simply like keep that within the context of like Catholic media, but like literally like think about like the influence that you might be able to have in corporations in Silicon Valley or in app development or um, at a start. Like I, I just want well-formed Catholics to be behind the technology that we're creating because um, ultimately I do believe that well-formed Catholics have the, the, the truest sense of what humanity is about. And, um, and so I would love to see a respect for that um, more ingrained within the development process of the technology that we're engaging with. So that's just a little, a little call to all you all technologically right. savvy people out there. I don't know if that's what you learn to code, learn to code. Yeah. Learn to learn code. To code. <laughs> and I, I love that there's like a movement for that, like just like within the world right now. Um, and, and people are prioritizing that, but, but we need people who are coding, who know. That's also that. a Reddit meme. I think, I think a politician tweeted like learn to code. I, I forget what it was, but it was like, it was said not in good charity. Oh and then everyone made the joke, like learn to code. Oh. Anyway, sorry. No, that thank was... you for letting me in on the joke, which I did not pick up on, but. It was a deep cut meme reference. Okay. Someone got Love it. it. Love <laughs> it. So good. All right. Thank you so much, yeah. Leah, for coming on. I really appreciate your insight. You. And we're probably going to have you on again within, with soon, yeah. because Ethan was very upset when I told oh, him no. <laughs> that you were coming on. He was very angry. Well, I'm and upset he's not here he, too. He threw a little baby tantrum, oh. and I had to give him his bottle and set him oh, down. Yeah, have um, the best of us. But <laughs> have is the best because he he was like he was like I want to talk about social media <laughs> too, and I was like, well, you stop going to new staff training and being a focus oh my gosh, yeah, just getting getting the job anyway. Anyways. So th this we'll we'll have you on again soon. So I, I do want to talk more about There's this and lay said. out. Yeah, and especially in the terms of practicals, yes. right? Because like we barely touch yes. practicals. And I'm sorry, I know that but, that can be my tendency to get so caught up in the ideas of things, but but we do need to be hitting on those practicals. Definitely. So we'll have you on again Thank soon. You. Thank you so much for for those of you who are listening, and uh, you don't currently. We don't usually do Patreon plugs with guests, mm. but here we are. Here we so are. Uh, we have we have a Patreon. If you donate as little as three dollars a month, you will get to, you will get invited to a secret patron only hangout with me and Ethan. It's going to be a live show. We'll do a live show virtually for you guys, um, and then you also get added to the Facebook page, and you also get added to our Patreon only feed. So patreon.com slash the crunch. Anything, any 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 final final thoughts, Leah? Oh man, um, just please you don't pray have to for have me any. if you're listening. Please please pray for me. That's all. <laughs> These are my shameless so much. begging for prayer. Begging for prayers. Because <laughs> there might be another scorpion. Yeah. In anyway, <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.